Back to Genesis chapter 12, where we left off in our study of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. We spent the last couple times together looking at the promise and call of Abraham. As God called him to a land, he had promised him and all the promises that went with it. The promise of a land, the promise of a posterity, a seed, and the promise that he would be a blessing to the entire world. We begin now picking that up in verse 4 where we see Abraham departed, as it says. Let's read a few verses here, starting with verse 4. It says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people who they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. So Abraham begins his journey. We see in verse 4, he departs. And the, and the New Testament calls this a journey of faith. Hebrews 11.8 says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which, which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And so it's by faith Abraham departed. And what Hebrews 11 points out to us, to us, when Abraham departed, when he left Haran, he didn't know where he was going. I'm not sure how he knew which direction to go. God apparently led him step by step, but he departed because God had called him to go. He didn't know how far he was going. He didn't know how long it was going to take them. But he knew that God said it's time to go. God had a plan for him. He made a promise to him. And these promises were to be fulfilled in this unknown de destination. It's kind of what we would consider kind of a blind step of faith, isn't it? All he knew was that he had to start. But God was going to take care of the rest. And that's what God asked of his children. He simply wants our trust. To trust him in all of our life's journeys. And so Abraham is a picture of that total reliance of faith upon God. Because when he left, he didn't know what tomorrow would hold. He had to trust God with his safety, with his well-being, with his family, with his fortune. God just asked him to take that step and move in the direction God had called him to. Now that doesn't sound very appealing to us. No one likes to operate in this way, by faith, not knowing what tomorrow holds. Naturally, we don't like that. We like to be in control of our todays and tomorrows because we like to walk by sight. But God instead asked Abraham to trust him by faith. And the only information God provided for him as far as his direction was a promise. And seemingly, somewhere along the way, Abram had come to the point that he understood that God was able to keep his promise and would be faithful to his family. He was trustworthy. And so Abraham, Abram excuse me, had the simple command to go. And so he, he left. That seems challenging, uninviting to many of us, doesn't it? But think about it. In reality, which is easier, to carry life on your shoulders, to plan, to scheme, to fret about our lives and families, or to rest our, our, our concerns on God's shoulders, to cast all our care upon Him because He does care for us, to let Him be the pilot of our lives, to let Him carry us through, let Him take care of our lives and the precious ones and the precious things in our lives, even at times when God seems asking unreasonable. Like, get up and go to this destination that I haven't revealed to you yet. It sounds crazy, Abraham's step, doesn't it? doesn't it? 
But how much easier it is for you and I to rest in God's ability to take care of what is important and valuable to us in our lives. And that's what we read in Mark 6, excuse me, Matthew 6, isn't it? Don't worry about today. And tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Instead, just seek the Lord. And that's really the essence of faith, isn't it? Well, we begin this in the study of Abraham here. We see several aspects of faith. If Abraham left by faith, he's an example of faith. He stepped out by faith. The first thing we see here in these verses is a submission of faith. Hebrews 11, 8 said Abraham obeyed. That's what he did. By faith, he obeyed. There is a submission in faith when we trust God. There is a surrender called in the Hebrews 11, 8, obedience. And faith it submits to the authority of God. When you and I exercise faith, we submit, first of all, to his authority in our lives. Faith recognizes that God is simply to be obeyed because he, not only is he God and is he Lord, but he is able and he is faithful, isn't he? And there's no objections, no logic, no reason anywhere, whether it's in the scriptures or in my life, that gives me the right to disregard his leading. Faith believes Father knows best. And then we surrender to that. And so he took that step. Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken. And the distance is, you know, it's somewhat debatable, but from Haran to Shechem is around 400 to 450 miles. Now that's just a, you know, a day's drive for a lot of us in the car, but it took a long time to walk, especially with all those people and the, and the, and the herds and the flocks. And, you know, I don't know how many miles they could make a day, you know, with their animals and children, but it was, it was going to be a long step. Now, it seemed like a crazy step because they had prospered in Haran. If you look in verse 5, it sees they had gathered things. They had, they had gathered possessions and they had gathered and they had acquired people. And, and you might think that, why leave Haran? I mean, God promised me a, 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 a promised land, but this is pretty good. Our business is doing well. I'm prospering here. Things are good here. It's crazy to leave. And what about my future? What about the kids? What about the flocks and herds which are sure to lose weight over this long journey? All these things that we think about, it's just crazy to leave. And faith in an in a all-powerful God is the only reason to leave because he is able. In fact, you know what? God is able to put weight on those animals even though they had to walk 450 miles. That's, what we have, that's how we have to view our lives. And we think in our logic and reason that it's going to be a disaster to my business but God says, you trust me and it will prosper. He'll take care of the safety and health of the family. He'll take care of the animals that give birth in the harsh, in the harsh situation. Because really, who are we trusting in this thing? Anyway, in life. Do you think we can really control our circumstances? And what a joy it is to trust a God who can. And Ab Abram was apparently convinced that God could be trusted to lead and undertake for them and you know, Romans chapter 4 also refers to Abraham, uses him as an example of faith. And he says these wonderful verses. I love these verses in verse 20 and 21. He says, He did not waver, Abram, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. And no doubt God strengthened his faith. He's giving glory to God and being fully convinced that he, what he had promised he was able also to perform. Fully convinced. That's what faith is. He was fully convinced. Now this was, in this context, in, Abraham, in excuse me, Romans 4, as it regards to the birth of a child, but the principle carried over his life. You see, the opposite of faith is unbelief. It's doubt that God, does God really know what is he doing? Is he faithful? Is he going to keep his promises? And Abraham was fully convinced, and that's the only attitude that allowed him 
to take this blind step to the journey of to wherever. And that's why the Bible calls our journey, our life's journey, a walk of faith. It's a walk. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's called a walk. And this is the reality of the daily Christian life. It is something that we are to live every day by faith. Walking by sight is simply self-management, self-dependent, really independent living from God. Where walking by faith is God-dependent, isn't it? It's completely different. And walking by faith is simply not trusting God and believing He's true here and there and a few things and you know, occasionally submitting to Him. It's, it is submitting to Him wholeheartedly because we are totally and wholly dependent upon good. I believe the, 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 the idea of walking is used because in walking we're told that when you walk you actually throw yourself off balance. That's part of the walking process. And you, you know, we walk, we run because we know that our bodies are going to function and we're going to put our foot down to catch ourselves. And so walking is a, is a step-by-step throwing ourselves off balance. And we catch ourselves with the next foot placement. And that's why when your foot finds a hole or a ditch or a curb, you, you go down, you fall, you stumble. Or if you're like me, you just trip over your shoelaces when your foot isn't, isn't on a solid foundation. But we throw ourselves off balance and that's what it is in the spiritual walk. It's hard to walk in the dark, isn't it? Because you don't know where your foot's going down sometimes, and you kind of feel your, feel your way along. But, but it's also harder to walk in the dark spiritually without the knowledge of God and His promises because we don't know where to put our foot down. You know, we don't like walk, being out of balance spiritually. Once again, we like control. But we have a God who's, who's, who's given us direction in how, in how we are to take our steps and where we take our steps. Even though those steps may be out of our control, out of our comfort zone, God is a focus of our faith. Which leads us to the next point. Not only is faith a submission, but we also have here in this passage the basis of faith. It says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. This wasn't just a random idea. Hey, let's go on this wild journey. It's as the Lord had spoken to him. It was God's word that he relied upon. In here in verse 4, faith has a basis you know, faith is not random, nor is it subjective. Faith is objective. It has something to anchor itself in. The very structure of the word in the English and in the, and in the Hebrew and in the Greek all demand an object of faith. Faith is objective. It's based on something intelligent. Abraham, Abraham along the way had come to know in some way that the, the God was the creator and that he was faithful. And this faith becomes intelligent in, in taking a step in reliance upon the word that a God gives who can keep his word and does keep his word. And thus, Abram could take that out-of-balance step because God had made him that promise. You know, faith often causes us to live off balance spiritually when we trust the Lord because it causes us sometimes to move out into the uncomfortable or the inconvenient, or the unfamiliar. We don't, we don't ever do it that way. We don't live that way. We don't, we don't think that way. We don't have those priorities or perspectives. And faith causes us to live off, off balance naturally. But we can live that way because God keeps his promises. And when we live by faith, as we're told, Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. That's what we're instructed to do. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. 
Romans 14, 23 even goes so far as to say whatever is not of faith is sin. God wants to be trusted. But we can be trusted because we can trust God to tell us where to place our feet. Even when it seems crazy, unreasonable, or illogical to ourselves. And there's two important passages that come to bear, I believe, at least that I want to mention this morning. The first is Romans 10, 17. It says, so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, faith needs its object. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. As we hear the promises of God, the directions of God, the, the, the precepts of God, as we see how God works in people's lives and what he expects of them in the Bible, we learn about the character and person of God, and, and our faith is strengthened. We learn about God's ability to keep his promise and to keep his word and to carry out his plan, and we find God's trustworthy, and thus we step out by faith. But we need to be in the word of God, both to learn the general knowledge of God and his almighty power and ability, his sovereign love and care, and also to learn the specific instructions so that we can anchor our faith in something specific. We learn specific promises that we can rest in and trust in, which is exactly what Abram did. He stepped out upon the, based upon the promise of God. His faith came by hearing the word of God, and thus we need to know the word, to be in the word, and if there's somewhere between six to 7,000 promises in the Bible, as some say, we've got to ask ourselves, how many do I know? How much do I know to trust in, so that I can live that life of faith, which is really the life of rest, isn't it? See, if Abraham was worried about taking care of all his stuff, worried about his future, his family, and his fortune, there'd have been no rest. But if Abraham according to Hebrews 11, stepped off by faith, there was rest in, the, in that crazy move of leaving the comfortable for the uncomfortable. Because our faith is in God that we, that we learn, upon, learn about in scriptures. It's based upon Abraham took that step according to God's word, as God had spoken. And I think this leads us to another verse, maybe some of you are thinking about, of Psalm 119, 105, where it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What a simple verse. I love the way God has the ability to pack so much truth in such few words. He's a great communicator. And when we think of the, the Word of God, the Bible, putting a lamp to my feet, it's basically saying the Bible tells me where to put my foot down, where to, how to make decisions, and how to establish priorities, and, and it tells me how to, where to put my foot down in life. So it gives us confidence and stability in our spiritual journey. Like Abraham, God just says, head this way. And he knew where to put his foot down based on the promise of God. And God gives us the same thing. It may seem unreasonable to us, but if God said it, we simply need to trust Him and take those steps and, 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 and not worry about tomorrow, about the rest of our stuff. Because God expects to be obeyed and He's worthy of our trust. And I think if there's a frustration level with God, it's with His children, His own children He's proven His love to by dying for them on the cross, are unwilling to trust him. To realize that he is able and he is faithful in their lives. So we study the word of God so that we have direct, we, we know where to put our foot down. But it's also a light to my path. The Bible gives us direction. Not only tells us where to step specifically, but it tells us where we're heading. It gives us purpose to life. It, it gives us our identity in life. It explains why we get up in the morning. Why are we here? What should be my priorities today? What's my first focus today? Am I here just simply to make a buck? Or am I here for something greater than making money and padding my portfolio? Am I here because I'm to glorify God so I can be a light to the world? Am I here because I can open my mouth and be a witness of the greatness of his love and his majesty? 
The, see, it's the Word of God that gives us direction in life. It gives us a reason to get up in the morning and go through our days, day after day after day. And it helps establish our priorities along the way. And there, there, therefore, there is rest. When we live with God's direction, where to put our foot down in God's priority in our daily lives. But so often, we're, we're just not sure. And if we're not living in light of God's purposes for us today, if you, didn't, if you and I did not get up this morning thinking, what did God have for me today? You know, I may even go to church out of duty, but what about after church? What about the rest of my week? Then we are often uncertain in our lives. And even how to, how, where to put our foot down. God wants to be trusted. And the basis of faith is His faithful word. Another thing we see here, here in Genesis chapter 12 is the commitment of faith. Faith is a commitment. He took everything, verse 5 says. He took all their possessions and all the people, and they took care. They packed her all up, and they headed out with a caravan. Flocks and herds and everything they had acquired, they took. You might have thought that Abraham may have bargained with, Abram, excuse me, I'm going to keep doing that, may have bargained with God. It wasn't Abraham yet, that came later. <laughs> he might have bargained with God and says, God, you know, how about if maybe just Lot and I go, and we're going to go see what you have for us. We're going to figure out the way. You know, it's kind of like the early explorers of, the, of this continent. You know, that went out and mapped the path through the, through the hills and the rivers and the mountains. And maybe we need to do that first. And, you know, we know where the dangers are, where the wild animals are, where the abandons are. And I'm just going to leave my family, my possessions all here. And it's nice and safe back here. Well, that's not what Abraham did, did he? He took it all, stepped out. And there were dangers along the way. There was risk. But he took everything he valued in life, everything he was responsible for. He was all in in his commitment to the care of God. Now, there may have been risk from a human perspective, but it's never a risk from a divine perspective, is it? Never. Now, I'm not saying that Abram couldn't have died along the way, but if he died along the way, it was God's plan. Because we all have that, that appointment with death that only God knows. But Abram, in his faith, committed all he had to God's care. And you know, some believers never get to that point in their lives. I'm not saying we're ever perfect in that trust. We stumble all the time. We worry. We fret. But some people never get to the point of, of a realization. And I think, personally, that as believers, as we grow, we come to various points in our life. And one of those points we come to is that I can trust God with everything. I can put Him first. I can obey Him and submit to Him, even when He asks me to do the reason, unreasonable, when my family's inconvenience, when my budget is taxed, when there's... Knobs to polish on my dresser, they're not getting done because God wants me to do something else. When my kids are missing their naps because God has a different priority for me. Who's taking care of life anyway? Abram committed all of that to God's care in this step of faith. And we as believers need to be willing to entrust our entire life. That's really the basis of faith. That's where it really begins, doesn't it? To entrust our total lives to Him. Everything precious, everything valuable to God. Because we serve a God who is able and can be trusted. And I think that's the theme you see in, in the theme of faith, two aspects to the person of God. That God is able, first of all. That's what we learn about when we learn the word of God. Abraham must have come to that point in, in the knowledge of God to know that God is able. He's much more able to run my life than I am. And he can be trusted. He's faithful. He keeps his word. He keeps his promise. 
And God can actually take care of my children. He can take care of my message. He can take my marriage. <laughs> get ahead of myself. He can take care of my job. He can take care of my livestock. And I'm not talking about un- irresponsible sloppiness in life. I'm talking about trusting God with one's life. Even when God's will runs contrary to my best plans or ideas in my life. And God develops us in that trust as we learn about him as the basis of our faith in his word and as we're willing to commit ourselves to a God who is able. Abraham committed his entire well-being to God. The next thing we see in this account is, is the dependence of faith. It says in Hebrews 11.8, and I want to bring this in at this point, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't know where he was going. Let's, let's talk about that for a moment. He did not know the outcome. And I have to wonder if some of these people that he had gathered, he didn't have children yet, but how many times did they hear over 450 miles of walking? Are we there yet? And I think Abram maybe asked God the same question because he didn't know where they were going. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I wonder if God gets tired of hearing, are we there yet? And so each day, apparently, what, would, what could they walk a day? 20 miles? Would that be too many for flocks and herds to walk that many miles a day? Do the math. How many days would it take? He didn't know when the journey was going to end. God says, I'm just going to take you there. Take one step, one day at a time. He was dependent upon God. And he also, along the way, didn't know how or when these promises would be fulfilled. He says, here I am wandering down this desert highway. And God's going to bring me to a land that I'm going to possess, a big land, apparently a bountiful land. And, and by the way, when's Sarah going to start pumping out children? Because God promised to me a posterity. And nothing's happening. And how long am I going to be a blessing to the whole world? This little, me and my little caravan here. And yet he depended upon God. In fact, we're told in reality that even by the end of Abraham, I can say that in all his life, the only real estate holdings he actually possessed was a field and a cave to bury his family in. Genesis 23. That's all he ever possessed. He never got there. He never saw the fulfillment of his promises. It was just the beginning. And you know, if God had revealed that to, to Abram way back in Ur, he might have said, you know what? I'm going to make you a promise, but you're never going to really see the fulfillment. It's like, why bother? Why? Why even get started? You don't need me then, God. But this was God's plan, and he he needed to depend upon God each and every day. And look what occurred. God fulfilled those promises. We looked at the Abrahamic covenant. God gave them the title to the land. God made him a great nation. And through his family, we've been blessed with a Savior. God kept those promises. But Abram had to be dependent upon God while blind to the details. We trust when we cannot see. Faith is trusting God today and letting him take care of tomorrow. The next thing we see in this passage is the testing of faith. It says here at the, in verse 6, when Abraham got there, got to Shechem and the Terebinth tree of Marah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. You know, think about it. When God promised you a land, he probably had a picture of a big, wide, open land ready for him to inhabit Maybe an undiscovered part of the world that the world had inhabited. And he gets there, and there's people living there. And he might say, wait a minute, God. 
This land's inhabited. Someone else owns it. It's not empty waiting for us to fill it. Someone else lives here, and are they just going to give it to me? Here you go, Abram, here's the land God promised to you. How am I going to come to possess them? Who's going to convince them to give it to me? Maybe I should just turn around and head home. That's a test of his faith. And I believe God put that passage in there just to, just to reveal to us that this was a trial, this was a test. The Canaanites were still there. Now we know the story. Because God's recorded for us in the Bible how that came to pass. But Abram had no idea. Looked around at all these mighty nations and people and they're just going to hand me their land? Well, our faith will be tested. It always is, isn't it? Sometimes we call them obstacles to our faith. And one of those obstacles is logic, common sense. And that's what Abram was facing here. The logic and sense of it all. This is, a, you know, this, this, this test of faith is you got to be kidding objection that we often bring to God. A time when God asks and would ask us to do things that, are, that seem unreasonable and we have no idea how he's going to fulfill them. Or times when God prioritizes things that, that are so inconvenient and unreasonable to my schedule, my plan, and my ability to run our lives or lives of our family. It's when walking by Satan says, no way, this is crazy. It's way outside my comfort zone. And this occurs in scriptures. Think about some of the examples. And I just meant, wrote down a few here. Think of Gideon. Gideon, how are you going to defeat the Midianites? With lamps. This millions or so people, the Midianites, and this little army of 300 lamps. Guys, just take lamps. God, can't you kind of, you know, make us intelligent and help us to come up with some kind of nuclear weapon? We can just nuke them. Well, God did nuke them, but he did it his own way. Take lamps. But they went. They stepped out by faith. They trusted in God. They carried these covered lamps, and God won the victory. How about Jericho? To me, when I think of the Jericho, I think, how crazy is it to ask people, these soldiers to wear themselves out by marching around the city for seven days and seventh day seven times? We need to be fresh. We need to be ready to fight. We need to be ready to defeat, and God's going to wear us out and make us march around the city for a week so we get good and tired and hungry before we attack. Unreasonable. And then when we do, we're going to attack them with our trumpets. That's how we're going to win the battle. How about Ezekiel? I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 12, but God wanted to use Ezekiel as a sign of coming captivity. And he wanted to, he wanted to use an example of, of getting in and out of the city. And so he tells them to dig a hole in the wall of his house and then go in and out by that hole. Dig a hole in your wall. Really, God? Can't I just preach? No, I want you to dig a hole in the wall and go in and out that way. You know, God warns us in Isaiah 55 that his ways are not always logical, not always reasonable to the natural mind. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my, your ways my ways says, ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God warns us. Don't rely on logic. Rely on the Lord. Another thing that brings the test to our faith is fears, uncertainties. This is the oh-no concerns that comes to our lives. Fears and worries about consequence, about risk. And at those times we forget the greatness of our God and his love for us and his sovereign care for us. And to this the Bible answers with passages like Isaiah 40 and Job 38 through 42 when God says, do you realize who I am? Were you there when I created the worlds? Do you realize that in Isaiah 40 that you know, you know, you people down there are like grasshoppers? You really can't control anything, but I can. 
And so God reminds us of his goodness and his greatness in the times of fears and uncertainties. And when we forget the fact that we serve an almighty God who has expressed love for us and the promises he's made to us. Another thing that tests our faith is trials, obviously. And they come in a variety of shapes and forms and packages. And this is the why question. Why me, God? What are you doing in my life? Why in the world is this happening to me? Don't you know I've got to preach on Sundays? God, don't you know what, what, what my responsibilities are? Don't you know I've got to polish the knobs on my dresser? We have trials, don't we? And I think sometimes we spend way too much trying to figure out why. And God doesn't always tell us why. Sometimes we find out why. God gives us a glimpse of why things occur in our lives. But why is not required, or the answer to why is not required to trust God, is it? We don't have to know. In fact, I think there's so many aspects of our trials that we, have, that we go through that we have no idea how God used them, not only to build our faith, but to build others as well as they watch and observe and then take courage. It's like going to visit someone in the hospital who is, who is very sick, and you go and you think, okay, God, you want me to go there? I need to pray for, with them and hold their hand and listen to them and maybe encourage them, and you come away encouraged. God doesn't always reveal why. But we're told in the scriptures, we're reminded that trials are given to develop our faith. <clears throat> the next, another area that tests our faith is the area of priorities. What God wants to, us to put first in our lives. And this is the what if question. Lord, if I put you first and submit to you, what will happen to my blank? Precious things, valuable things, important things. My budget, my health, my kids, my cattle. It is the most precious things of life that sometimes seem to be at risk when we trust the Lord. We do it when we live life his way. You know, for many years, we did a, a Bible study ministry where we drove to different parts of the state to, uh, to those heathen over in Minnesota, by the way, and um, to share the word of God. And, and it's just sometimes wondered, you know, how are my kids going to take this traveling sometimes up to four hours every weekend? You know, they aren't, you know, skating and sliding and, and all those things with the other kids. And, you know, there was a period of time when we, we um, weren't doing it for a while. We were at home, and, and after a year or so, our kids said, when are we going to start again? They missed it. They missed ministry. They missed it. And all this time here, I'm worried about, am I damaging my kids and all this traveling? It is the most precious things in life that we discover that God is able to undertake. This is the Matthew 6 test we read in our scripture reading. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Putting him first. Sometimes it's going to appear to be a risk. It's going to cost us. But we have to remember that God takes care of the lilies. He feeds the sparrows. And how much more precious are you? What a wonderful promise. Priorities. So what does God do here then to reassure this Ab Abram in this test? Let's go ahead and pick it up in verse 7. Here it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. Period. God sometimes just keeps it short and sweet. God reassured him of his promise. God brought Abram back to the word of God, back to the promise of God, to reassure him 
in this time of test. The Canaanites were in the land. He's looking around at all these armor, these walled cities. And God says, I'm going to do it. We're here, Abram. It's going to be great. I'm going to give you this land. He just told him, just short and sweet. Now, if I was Abram, I said, well, what? But how and when and how's it going to occur? And God says, no, I'm just, trust me, I'm going to give you this land. He reassures him with the promise of God. And that goes back to Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you have times of doubts in your life, times when your faith is tested, where's the first place we need to go? Back to the Bible. Dive into the scriptures. Find the promises and reassurance of God's love and care for us as he reassures our faith. God understands. We're told in Psalm 103 that God understands we're frail. He knows we're dust. And sometimes we doubt and we fear. And, we, and these tests get the best of us. And God, as a loving Heavenly Father, gently brings us back to his promise and reassures us. And all he told Abram was, I'm going to give you the line. I'm going to give it to you. I am going to keep my promise. And we find that reassurance to our faith in his word. The last thing we see here in this passage is how Abraham's journey of faith developed his spiritual character. Look at verse 8, oh, excuse me, verse 7, we stopped in the middle, and then picking it up in the middle, he says, and there he, that is Abram, built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. What we see here in this passage is this, this journey of faith that Abraham, and we don't know the details of 400 and 450 miles, what occurred on that journey. We do know Abraham's, Abraham's faith was tested when he got to the land, and God reassured him. But in that walk of faith, Abraham's spiritual character, the depth of his character was developed, because what we see here is he builds altars then to this God. He wanted God to be honored. He wanted to put up these, this recognition, this memorial, that God was Lord God creator. And then we see that he called on the name of the Lord. And I, don't, and I think that's significant. I think that's more than just he prayed. I think what it means is that Abram identified with Jehovah God as his God. That's why he built the altars. altars. And calling on the name of the Lord means I belong to him. He is my God. I am his chosen. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. That means before the people of Canaan, Abram identified himself with this God to whom he built these altars. And he became comfortable being called a child of God, whatever, whatever verbiage that involved in Abram's day. He became one publicly. He identified with God. And that's what God wants to do in our lives as he develops our faith as we learn to trust him, as we are reassured by his promises, God will, I believe, develop in us this willingness to just openly identify with him. I am a Christian, one in whom Christ lives, one for whom Christ died. He is my God and I am his child. You see, this phrase we find throughout the scriptures, this idea of calling on the name of the Lord, and for Abraham it was an identification with God. God was developing his faith. God hadn't given him all the answers. That's not what developed his faith. God didn't give him a glimpse of the future. But God, in 
had given Abraham enough of a promise for Abraham to trust him that his spiritual commitment to God, his spiritual character was growing. You know, we talk a lot about our faith in this study this morning. We recognize the two themes I've mentioned throughout this discussion are the key to our faith because faith is only as strong as what we put it in. And the object of our faith is a God who, first of all, is faithful. He keeps his promises. I love those passages in Joshua and the judges when they talk about not one word of God's promise failed. He keeps his promises. And the other aspect of that is he's able to keep his promises. He is almighty. He is sovereign. And he loves us. And he, he, he is faithful to his own. And that's really the themes behind this account. It isn't that you and I are going to somehow muster up within ourselves this great faith. It's that we're going to get into the word of God and discover a great God, an almighty God, a faithful God, a God who makes it easy to trust. Not because we're such great people of faith, but because we have such a great God who's given us abundant promises, given us light for direction in his word that we can trust for day-to-day living. And that's why it's so important. And always seems to come back to this week after week that we are spend time in the Word of God. Getting to know our God. Coming to church, not just out of our duty, because we feel better when we go home. In fact, in our study on Wednesday night, in Zechariah, when the priests were asked about continuing a certain service that they were doing, they asked the priest, should we continue in this service? And, and God actually turns it around on them and says, well, when you did this service, did you do it for me? Or was it for yourselves when you performed all these services? Who are you doing it for? So you feel good about yourself? Do you fulfill your religious duty? Or you do it for me? You see, when we get in the Word of God, we realize we have a God who is worth serving, who is worth trusting, who is able to keep His promises, and is faithful to Him. And we must make that choice. Because lastly, faith is a choice. Are we going to trust God or are we not? Are we going to believe his word or are we not? Are we going to live in light of his word or are we not? Are we going to allow his word to tell us where to put our foot down, allow his word to establish our purpose and identity and direction in life, or are we just going to live a marginal Christian life? It's a choice. And that's why it brings me to this verse I want to close with this morning, a verse well known to most of us, verse Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the commitment of faith, isn't it? Lead not on your own understanding. That's a dependence of faith. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's a commitment of faith. And he will. I love that phrase, he shall. Some versions, he will. He will, he will, he will direct your paths. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this example that you've given us in the person of Abram. Father, not only through him do you accomplish a great work in your plans for history, but Father, you left us such a practical example of the simple walk of faith a walk in which we can trust you with our lives. And Father, may we realize as your children that you do simply want our trust and you want our, your word to be the basis of that trust and the direction of our lives. So Father, may the things we study today not only uplift and glorify a God who can be trusted, a God who is able, but may you strengthen our faith for your glory. In Jesus' name.